Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and in his lovely track pants, Vince. Welcome back, Vincey. Thank you. I got him back, boys. Yep, we we were worried for nothing. Uh, we're here to talk about the comics coming out on July nineteenth, twenty twenty two. Starting with Batman Superman World's Finest, number five, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Dan Mora. Uh, Zach, I want to start with you on this. You were the one who was uh, who I think is probably the the most Wade pilled at this point, even though all three of us are certainly to a certain degree Wade pilled. Um, but, you know, what did you think of the issue? Uh, I, well, I will comment. I am the most Wade pilled. He's coming. He's coming to my city and I'm going to personally go up to him and say, please put John Kent to a.k.a. Hyperman in a comic. Please, sir. You're gonna can, stick your. He's gonna. Can you wear gonna, a GoPro? Can you wear a GoPro while you do that so we can yeah, put it online? I will. I will yeah. Um, he's and gonna, I'm gonna say I have gonna, no idea who you're talking. I'm gonna about. bring. I'm gonna bring a copy of the Kingdom and have him sign it. Are, are you really? You should do that. I have thought about it. Um, no, I like this. Uh, as always, the Dan Moore art is impeccable, and I really did like. I liked the story. I think Neja is a is still a lame ass villain, and I'm still hoping he is like secretly Magog somehow. <laughs> uh, I'll never quit. I'll never log off. Um, but he, uh, I, I liked the bit with. Uh, I, I just like the interaction with all the characters and and all the like emotions at play and the um, the kind of. Um, it's it's not it's not super dickery i don't know what the what the correct term would be but like superman like seemingly sacrificing himself mm, but then yes. but then the the reveal of how he planned mm. to get out and just how all the mechanics of that i thought were like very fun and uh but silver agey but with like a very like a clearly modern tone um you know what it reminded me of that specific moment was the end of superman 2 with sure, him yes. like tricking Zod into getting rid of his powers, where Absolutely, it looks yeah. like he's sacrificing himself. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I feel like the Doom Patrol is used really well here. The the fun bit where it's like uh, Robot Man can fight Neja because Neja is not uh, adept at modern technology. And so he just like runs up to him and decks him, <laughs> which was like really funny. Um, At that price point, he can hit. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, watch. I think you should leave season two already. All we've right. Es- we've established the bit is so much better that I haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. It's good. Uh, I know it's good. It's this is not about it not being good. This is about me not having any time in my life to watch TV. Um, they're so short. That's that's actually that that goes. That we've talked too. about this. We've talked. About this. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I I did like this. I liked all. The, I like the Supergirl beats in particular. Her dealing with like her guilt of both losing Robin and and seemingly losing Clark. That was all really good. And I. I am more and more like I know I'm the weight pilt guy, but I'm like really kind of like trepidatious about this Batman versus Robin story, and so this epilogue is is kind of like uh, I don't know. But I did think the bit of I thought again, just like Dan Mora is so good. Um, the the bit where like at the top 
you have the bird sitting in the frame masking the kind of like distinctive rock formation and and so like you just know this is the tomb of Neja, and then you see Damien like descending into the tomb and then it pulls down to the bottom and it's like aka Lazarus Island and the bird flies away and you see the skull which like if I'm being perfectly honest I couldn't have fucking told you that Lazarus Island had a big skull on it but the, it's just it's just really good cartooning so I, I liked it can I tell you uh, just because I, I when I was reading through this book initially I flipped kind of to the end as, as Zach often does and I thought I was seeing something really cool that isn't there which is I thought that the story was going to be about Dick lost in time that Robin versus Batman there was a misdirect with Damien the whole time that would have been really and cool. I thought that would be really cool. But it's obviously it's obviously not that. But just on quick glance, I was like, oh, oh, shit, that would be that would be really interesting. But that's not what we're getting here. No. Yeah. But as long as you bring that up, that was going to be my my point with this whole thing that I think. The most fascinating thing about this story so far is. I mean, we talked about it from issue one or even from that that preview that this takes place in a time before current continuity and Dick is still Robin. And now he's lost in time. What, like, what are they going to do with that? That, that is the most fascinating thing about any of this. I, I don't care how like Neza connects to everything. I don't really care uh, about Robin versus Batman yet. I but I care about like where the old Dick Grayson is. Yeah. Which it, it does like, what seem if like that's what the next arc is about. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It says like let's find Robin or whatever it's called. R- right. Now maybe that answer is not going to be very interesting. I but there's the potential for it to be very interesting. <laughs> I think it I think it, it could be. Yeah. I hope it is. I mean, are we thinking hypertime here? Well, I'm I'm maybe even wondering if it's something even if it's more than that. Mm. It's the evolution of hypertime. It's the evolution of the arm. <laughs> so he's gonna come back as like a uh, uh, a a steam machine or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um. I man, you know, I I hope it's something big. I I really hope that Wade is like, just. I I will say, like as a whole, this arc wasn't as interesting as I hoped it would be. It did some really cool things, like don't and the Dan Moore art I think is like some of the best stuff at DC right now. So, on the whole, this was a very good comic, but the story was a lot more. Um, kind of by the numbers than I really expected it to be and I and I am very much holding on to some of those kind of unknowns and what could be's for I'm hoping that like a year from now we look back on this arc and think like oh wow look what he was setting up mm-hmm. um, yeah me too comics really just don't do that enough anymore agreed I, Vince what do you think of this I liked it. Um, I agree with Zach that like it, it's it's probably missing that little extra thing that makes it um, 
you know, like a, like an excellent arc that, that I'd want to return to someday, but it's just like really good by the numbers comic booking, you know, um, you take an interesting team in the doom patrol that you don't really get to see very often, throw them in here. Uh, Neza as a villain is actually like, like, I don't think he's like mind blowingly great or innovative or anything like that. But I love that he's kind of goofy. Like he's the devil, <laughs> you know, like I just kind of like that. They're just fighting the devil, you know? Yes. Um, and I, and I do think the, the way to defeat him was interesting, especially I, Brian, I know you were a little bit down on the, the traveling back in time thing, but again, I think that's a fun, like silver agey, Thing for them I, I, I wasn't necessarily down on it. I just feel like when you're bringing something like that back in that hasn't been around in so long, it's it's helpful to have more than just like, oh look, this can happen. You know, sure. just that 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 was my my main note for it. Yeah, but then I love you know them getting the 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 seal or the key to locking him away from these like ancient warriors and bringing that back to this time. Like all of that felt like a very fun kind of low stakes like it no it knows kind of how low stakes and goofy it is i think um or maybe low stakes is not the right uh, term but like like um uh, just piffle you know like it, it's just it's just a, a this is just a silly little comic book you know <laughs> sure and uh and and i i it's just a really well-made version of that. I think down to the art, which is gorgeous. The script, which is just fun and light. And when it needs to have exposition, it has just enough of it, you know, how drab and boring would other writers have made that section where they explain the warriors of G and this seal that locks Neza away, you know, like, there are other writers that would have taken that and just beaten the tar out of it, explaining well, it to us. So I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I had a thought about this book when reading this issue that I don't know if I'm going to articulate it well, but I think you guys are going to know what I'm talking about. And I hope that if I'm not articulating it well, you can help me find a way to do that. This feels like the best possible version of like, Neil Adams Batman Odyssey where like you're giving this this marquee creator a a book that isn't quite in continuity that is going to be a, a pet project that we're told will eventually connect to things but may never do that for all we know and it just feels like this is like the best possible version of giving a creator that kind of a book does that make sense yeah. yeah yeah i think we've seen so many versions of this that were less successful over the years including the one that you named but like if you think about some of the like raven daughter of darkness pet projects that they that right right DC has tossed to, to certain creators like yeah i don't think it I don't think it is just the possibility that this could be connecting to some other things that is making it feel this way, but um, it for for a legacy creator being thrown a, a project 
after coming back after not having written for DC in like decades, um, it it feels so much more vital and fun and energetic and modern than like some of those other legacy projects have. Yeah, and it also feels like it's it it maybe actually will be important. Yeah, I, I don't know that for sure, but I just feel like a lot of times when that stuff is promised, it feels like we know ahead of time it's not actually going to be important, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this feels like maybe there's a chance it actually is going to be important. Well, and I think the great thing about this story in particular is, yeah, we'd be we'd be disappointed if it didn't connect to some grander plan down the road, because we're fans of Wade and, and like, we're, I think we're particularly interested in what his long game for DC could be. But if it ended up not connecting to anything in the future, or if they ended up just very quickly tying off the Dick Grayson stuff and, and that was all we got, it would still be a complete story. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, overall, I, I'm really enjoying this. I mean, part of it is just that Mora's art is just so good that it, it it just seems like there's not, there's almost no other work being done at DC that is consistently as beautiful as the work he's doing here. It's just, it's just so, so good. And I think that also helps the book a lot when it does, if there are parts where it does feel a little bit, um, maybe silly with some of the, like the, you were talking about like some of the stuff with the devil can feel a little bit silly because it looks so good. Who cares how silly it is, right? Like it's just, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous um, comic that helps. And also, you know, Wade's Wade is not Neil Adams in the sense of, you know, by the time Neil Adams did Batman Odyssey, he was at least, if I'm being as generous as possible, he was at least 15 years past his last really great work, but probably closer to 25 or 30 years past his last really essential work when he was doing that. Wade is still in a vital part of his career, but he's being treated with the same overall respect as somebody like Adams because he's that big of a deal to DC. Mm-hmm. And I just keep thinking about how this is like the funhouse mirror version of what Tom King is doing at DC right now, <laughs> which is like the, the little oh self-contained boy. stories that aren't really connected to continuity, but one of them is delightful. One of them is terrible. <laughs> Anything else to say about this? Uh, Had to go there. Huh? It's just, it's, it's, I'm sorry, man. That's how I feel, buddy. <laughs> um, any other notes in this book? Nope. Okay. Let's move on then to Black Adam number two, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. Vincey, take us away. Um, I really like this. Uh, it's not as <sighs> boy. Um, it's not as layered as the Deathstroke stuff, it doesn't have nearly as much going on with it as Priest Deathstroke. So I'm loath to compare the two. But it 
has a sense of fun that is on that same wavelength. I think, I think there's a, there's a current of humor that, well, I think this is just all of priest's work in general, at least that I've read over the years. There's this, there's this undercurrent of kind of a, uh, Hey, we're all just having fun here type of thing that, that runs through this story, even when it's dealing with some pretty serious, potentially sobering uh, high stakes stuff, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I just think that that attitude always makes his stuff so easy to read. It goes down so easily and, and it, it engages with me on, on kind of my, um, with my sense of humor and, and kind of my, philosophical wavelength <laughs> as far as like how I, how I, how I greet the world, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like that sort of lightness and sense of humor in the face of some really dark stuff is, is carrying this book in the same way that it, his death stroke did, even though the two books don't have very much else in common, I think. And I will say I'm not uh, Brian. You're a big Shazam guy uh, into the lore and the whole family and the extended whatever. I mean, would you call signing up for a new streaming service today because they have the 12 part Captain Marvel serial from the 40s being a big Shazam fan? Yeah, that's sicko mode that that. I mean, you don't often approach Zach's sicko mode for certain things, but I think that almost blows past. I'm going to cancel it after the week's free subscription. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I would not I'll, call I'll probably, myself. I'll probably forget to do that. Actually, <laughs> I would not call myself that big of a of Shazam fan and certainly not Black Adam. Um, but I'm fascinated at where this is going. <laughs> so Priest has me hooked again. Zach. Yeah, I really like this a lot. I mean, Again, uh, the art is just really, really good. You know, Sandoval is up there, uh, you know, with my favorite artists at DC right now. Um, And I think this issue does even more to hook me than the first issue did. And I I was pretty hooked on the first issue. So I, yeah, I like this quite a bit. I find that really interesting because I feel like this is, to me at least a uh, a much less engaging issue than the than the first issue i think it's m- less um accessible just in terms of the kind of non linearity of the storytelling and having to make like a few leaps here and there but i i still like i really liked the the kind of like cold open with with black Adam and that CIA agent and kind Mm -hmm. of like their chemistry and rapport. And then the, like, just kind of like weird dreamlike, like whatever happened with like black Adam chasing this apparition of his long dead nephew traveling at life speed to, to leading him to dark side. Like that whole bit was so good. I love that bit. Yeah. Yeah, that bit was really good. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like this issue was doing a lot of work 
sort of retrofitting last issue in some ways. You know what I mean? As opposed to telling a new story. Like yeah, re- really, that's there, definitely true. There, there, there's not that much new in here. We're getting a sort of we have a better sense of sort of what's going on with Black Adam's health. We have a better idea of why he met, quote, dark side, all that. But it really isn't giving us too much new story here. I guess I guess that's true. I guess I just like. You're, that's you not, are, that's this, not a knock, by the yeah, way. I enjoy yeah, that stuff. No, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, this issue. uh this issue obviously does not work without the first issue, but I like I I feel that like the the extra layers that it gives the first issue are so essential and so much more. I guess it it makes the first issue satisfying, more satisfying. Um, it it it's almost like synergistic. It makes me like both issues more. Yeah. When, when DC puts the first three issues of this into a one issue volume that they call like the Rock of Eternity edition or whatever, um, <laughs> right, it's going right. to be really great. Yeah. Um, no, Brian, I think you're, you're absolutely right about the, the, the structure of it and the way that it works with the first issue. Um, as far as like retrofitting it and then that, that, goes to Zach's point where like, yeah, it's essential. These two issues are essential for understanding one another. I think ordinarily that is something that pisses me off. Like, I think I've criticized Tom King in the past. Here we go. Bringing up Tom King again. Um, I've criticized his work in the past for doing a like, uh, a chronological or a- asynchronous uh, chronology for stylistic reasons rather than any reasons of substance. And I think you could maybe, if I didn't already have so much goodwill for this book or like, or if I wasn't really invested in its story, I think I could make those same criticisms. Like there's no reason to save that stuff for this issue when it's really when it really informs the first issue i agree with that yeah um but i like everything that's happening here so much that i i i'm less bothered by it but i i definitely take your point like there is no reason you you could argue that like giving you a more um that putting that putting the the backstory of how black adam got to here upfront more rather than how the first issue focused more on the Malik character and, and giving you his personality would maybe cause like a drier first issue. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I don't think it is dry. I think the way I think him chasing uh, um, the apparition of Amon through the streets and into the sky and, and to dark side is an engaging enough hook the way it is that I, I think, you know, whether you make that the first or the second issue, it's, it's immamaterial um, because everything works so well for me. Does that I, I make any sense? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, you know, what I meant by, by saying, I guess that this issue had less to it. I actually really like almost every, like almost every panel in this issue made me smile. It is good in a way, but I feel like it is a bit incomplete compared to the first issue. And I'll say 
like I don't know if we look a hundred issues into the future when this book clearly gets an Azrael treatment, like will this issue have much in it that feels necessary for a greater story, or is this just a nice build on the first issue? And it's obviously too early to make that judgment of any of any kind. Um, and I and I love this issue. I think that Sandoval is doing the work of his career on this book. I think Priest is doing some interesting stuff. I think it's interesting to have a Black Adam that is seemingly spending a bunch of time as Theo Adam, which is something that hasn't happened in DC Comics in, gosh, almost 30 years, uh, without it being like, I know Black Adam gave up his powers for a period. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about him choosing to be human instead of choosing to be Black Adam. That almost never happens in the comics. So I really enjoy that aspect of this. I think Priest has a pretty good beat on this version of the character, whether or not this version of the character feels like the the Black Adam is currently in other books, I think is maybe up for debate, but I also don't really care about that. So yeah, this is this is doing it for me. I'm enjoying this quite a bit. Um, all right, well, let's take a break. And when we return, we'll talk about our final two issues of the week. So stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with Dark Crisis, Young Justice number two, written by Megan Fitzmartin, illustrated by Laura Braga. So I want to ask you guys a question about this issue before we get started, which is that does this feel... How can I say this? Um, It's kind of hard to separate this from the Flash issue we're going to talk about in a bit because they are both sort of dark crisis stories in where there are these alternate Earths that are being inhabited by our protagonists and we're supposed to realize they're not real and blah, 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 blah. But my question is, is this book's lack of subtlety its best suit or its worst suit? Because I really can't tell. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm glad you asked that because I did have a point in my notes here about it, but I'm trying to figure out a, a better way to say it. Um, I, I, have a, I have a take on this go go for it zach by the way do you guys agree that this is like one of the least subtle comics you've ever read yeah (laughs) i my take is i really i don't know who this comic is for because the people who would agree with kind of the the politics and the message for the I, i would say like for the most part are not old enough to have like experienced young justice when it was coming out and may or may not have ever revisited it. And the people who did read it, 
and enjoyed it on average when it was coming out would maybe not share these same viewpoints. Do you, do you think that's a little too general? I mean, I've read this it is, but... coming out and I enjoy these viewpoints. I, I, yeah, it's, I know. It's for I'm me. It's for me. On that, average, that, though. Yeah, on average, I think you're probably closer to. Yes, I, I, I Zach, I think you. I think it's probably even if it's like 55, 45 or 60, 40, I think you're probably you're on the right track. I feel like the I mean, the, the kind of people who still look fondly. Oh, well, OK, I don't want to I don't want to like demean anybody, but like because I'm sure there, there are people who still like look back on this comic who read it at the time, even, even if they don't agree with like you know, where Peter David has like the kind of person he, that we know him to be now. And some of those things like you, you can, it, it's tough, you know, but like, there's just uh there's just a weird, like cognitive disconnect at play with this comic for me. And that, that, that my attempt to explain it just now is kind of like the best way I can do it. <laughs> okay. Sure. Well, well, what, what that means, Zach, is that this book is for me. Um, and I still, even though, even though it is not very subtle, I still mostly like it. Um, the, in fact, I enjoy it not being subtle to a point. Like the stuff with the mighty endowed from, from the last issue and, and the beginning of this issue, I love it. There's no doubt what Megan Fitzmartin is trying to say with that. Mm-hmm. Like it's never subtle for a second, but it's done so it's done with such like uh, a grin and like comic bookery to it that I cannot help but appreciate it. And I think especially because I generally agree with her viewpoints, I, I would, I would guess there's a point in this issue where the characters begin literally saying certain things that are explaining the themes. And that's a little m- much for me. Not, not because I don't agree with them or agree with these viewpoints. Definitely not. But because it's just the fight with the mighty endowed is a way to show something and make it still be a comic book. And to also get that point across. Whereas later in the issue, characters are saying like, man, this is not as pro- progressive of a yes. era as I remember. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, wait a minute. Now you're just, you're, you're literally doing like a courtroom scene now where it's just talking heads, you know? I mean, t- to be fair, that is almost exactly my problem with her Robin stuff she did, which they felt like at times people were, ha- were like stating the subtext out loud in a lot of points. And yeah. that, 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 that her writing was not at all, had no subtlety to it at all. And so that's, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. Right. And I it, still, at the end of the day, like I, I like this issue and I like this comic because, because uh, I, Zach, the, the key part of the thing that you said is, um, you know, the people that appreciated young justice uh, in the past um, might not agree with these viewpoints, but then you said, well, Maybe a lot of them do, you know, and the thing is, is that I don't know anything about Fitzmartin or not, or like how old she is or like when it would have been that she experienced young justice, but like, I feel like she appreciates, you know, like, like 
like she's not knocking Young Justice entirely. She's no. not. This comic does not exist to shit on Young Justice. Well, you it's know? weird because it's it's both a nostalgia play and it's also like highlighting how bad that era was in some ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like, yes. but still finding appreciation for these characters. Like, I don't think she is. Um, I think she is embracing these characters for who they are. Like, no, like nothing here uh, other than shitting on the tropes of the era. Nothing is doing these characters dirty. Would you agree with that? Well, the one thing I would argue with that is that I think that she through through Sissy Arrowette's like point of view, she's sort of shitting on the entire idea of Cassie. And she basically says, you just sit around waiting for these men to fuck up your life. And I refuse to do that. Yeah, but I think that's I think that's dramatic tension that's going to prove like I don't think she's necessarily 100% endorsing what Sissy is saying. I don't know if she is or not. I think that's up for interpretation. You're right. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, if it if by the end of this series like that's all that Cassie amounts to, then then I get it, but like well I, I I'll take it back. I'll take it one step further. I don't think that Cassie's I think Cassie is going to wind up someplace else at the end of this. Mm-hmm. But I think that I, I think that Fitzmartin agrees that up until now, that's who Cassie's been. Sure. And I, okay. don't, and I don't think that's yeah. fair. Maybe not. But I think, I, I think that's kind of one of the refreshing things about this book too, even like, I think like, um, there's a there's a healthy conflict between these characters in a fashion that we haven't seen in a while i think i think like um uh one of the things i think that we're missing in our justice league books in our, in our team books in general is like a personality conflict or like conflicts and relationships between these characters that go beyond the costumes they wear right one of the big things i feel like we've been missing since the new 52 rebooted the justice league and everything is who these people are to one another outside of their costumes you know yes um and i i that's something that even though young justice is maybe from a more for lack of a better word, a problematic era in comics writing or, or one where like maybe creators were less sensitive to this stuff. I think the character conflicts and the personalities and stuff from that era are something that I really miss, you know? And so the, even though this book is lampooning and satirizing and, and, and kind of shitting on some of the tropes of that era, I, th- I still think it's really capturing the the personalities and the conflicts of that kind of era in DC comics. Well, I, I also want to some not push back because I know this is not you saying this, but I think that there are eras of comics that are incredibly problematic and far more so than these. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so I think it's a little bit 
disingenuous is the wrong word, but I think maybe it feels like there's a lot of of anger over this sort of not anger. There's a lot of attention drawn to how problematic this era of comics is. And there are so many errors, errors that are just, you know, infinitely more problematic and equally as beloved too. not even like, um, you know, not even just sort of the, the joke, the errors that are considered to be jokes now. Right. Like, like the, there's a lot here that is. There, there's, there's a lot of comics that people love that are pretty dated and problematic in their own ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, okay, I'm going to say one last thing before I shut up about this. Um, We're having a good conversation. No reason to shut up about it. Uh, yeah, I know, but I, I I always feel like I'm hogging. You're not. Um, I, I think the thing we need to remember, and I, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think, I think the discourse, the capital D discourse in comics, whenever, like, whenever, whenever the new the new set of creators criticizes the old guard is that like nobody is saying, and I, again, you're not saying this, Brian, but nobody is saying uh, the Peter David young justice series should be tossed in the hamper. You know, like nobody's saying like, let's get rid of it forever or let's, or nobody should ever read it, you know? And I think, there are times where writing or satire comes across that way. And I do not think that that's the case here. Like I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm giving too much credit, but I really, I, feel... I almost do kind of read it that way though. Really? Like I, I, I've never read the Peter David run, but my impression of it from this is that there is nothing redeeming about it. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a very uh, reductive, like version view of that run. Not that I think that run is great. I, I'm actually not a huge fan of that run, but I think there's a lot there that, that has some good stuff. I, I think there is some good stuff to be had there, you know? Yeah. See, and I don't, my impression is, is that that's not what this is saying, but, but you know, clearly it's I, I, as usual, I fall somewhere. In between <laughs> the guys, so yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, interesting. Uh, okay. So, Zach, what what did you think of this issue then? Um, I thought it was fine. I I didn't. I really didn't. I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't for me. Like mostly, I just I just felt like I didn't. I don't have like a the the biggest kick I got out of this issue was like seeing the Morrison era uh jla um <laughs> like that that was the thing you know that did it for me really um because i i don't have like a strong association for that young justice team um i don't i i just don't i don't really have a feeling about it um so yeah i don't know I mean, but you, 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 did you feel that way after the lat after the first issue? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I feel like that was not expressed last time. I don't remember. I mean, but that issue wasn't as that issue wasn't that, that was only at the end. 
that they were really doing that stuff you know like i do care about like these characters but like i don't i don't really care about like what this issue is doing like revisiting that era for for some reason you know Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i just don't have any like it's not moving the characters forward if anything it's more like of the like post new 52 fascination with like going back to what was and re-examining it and 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 sometimes i do think that that is like necessary and beneficial but these characters especially have been dominated that for like by that for the last decade so yeah i i don't know it's just it very much just felt not for me interesting do you do you feel like there will be like can you see a pathway back for you in this book or do you feel like this is this is sort of what it is oh i i mean i don't know this is just a three issue thing right no, this is six issues, baby. Six? I believe so. I think so. Oh, I thought it was just three. I'm almost Man. positive it's six Gosh. issues. <laughs> no, I don't know. We'll see. Okay, so I've been thinking about like the just when I was reading this, I did I was thinking about um kind of like the meta state of dark crisis tie-ins, which is mm-hmm. like you almost ha- you have to look at these books right now on like one like how they exist as an individual story and two how they exist in like the cosmology and like metaphysical aspects of like what dark crisis is doing and like you have all of these we'll get to it in a minute more with flash but like you have all of these alternate worlds that we're not we have ideas about but we maybe don't know exactly what they are or what what's going on or why it's going on um and so with that, as, as, you know, we kind of discussed with the, the world without a Justice League Superman issue, like, I liked that issue a lot on its own, kind of, uh, you know, irrespective of its implications in Dark Crisis. Whereas with this one, I don't care much for the story at hand on its own, and I don't really know how it factors into Dark Crisis. So I, I really just, like, don't have a kind of, like, foothold in this story. I feel like it's wild that I am not the lowest on this story. Really? <laughs> yes, I find. I don't. It really I feel wild. like it's not. It's got Kyle Rayner in it. I assumed you would be the highest. It yeah, it's Kyle Rayner in for like one panel. Oh, I know how you are, though. <laughs> I mean, you, you're not. You're not wrong about that, right? But I just thought because I mean, I, you know, I, I am on record of of not liking Fitzmartin's Tim Drake stuff, and so I, I just thought that I, I would be both expected to and. Uh, required to be the the lowest on this yeah i don't know it's just uh it's just it does it does almost nothing for me interesting i do think that the most interesting part of the story is the stuff going on with our real cassie and arrowette in in the modern day or whatever the regular i think that's like the most interesting aspect but it's also, it, I feel like it's the part that it, it's it's the B plot in this issue, you know. Yes. And I feel like it will it will be the B plot for the for the rest of the the run as well. Probably, yeah. I uh, I think the most interesting thing is that this is one of the Dark Crisis 
situations where the the characters like I think it'll be fascinating if this is supposed to be a world of dark crisis for these characters much like the justice league ones and yet they're resistant to it completely like i think that'll be the most fascinating aspect if if they if that's really what this is you know well, i mean you missed me and zach talking about this last week with um the just world without justice league superman issue oh i heard it yeah no i know but yeah. you weren't here for the for the discussion part of it you know so right. what, what i was going to say though is both that and the aquaman story take place it seems like sometime after the after they show up in that world uh-huh. maybe all of the people are resistant at first i mean we, we we're gonna get to the flash in a minute we sort of see that happen in the flash don't we Some, yeah. someone resists and someone doesn't right yeah yeah well in both in both stories it kind of seems like you know i talked about how in both the superman and aquaman story it seemed like both of them still had some uh you know at least awareness that they weren't in their normal life right. or ha- had some memory of the other life right uh whereas in this it's like well there's also there's also the, like the aspect of like this cassie this other cassie is clearly not cassie mm-hmm. and so that's weird but i guess there are other uh, See, it's even more weird because there are like other versions of the same characters in some of these other universes. But this cat, there's something clearly weird about this Cassie because she's in three places at once. Yes. Yeah. Um, Boy, that Superman one stunk, by the way. No, it was good. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Just had to get that in there since I missed it. Was it was so good? I don't know why you. I don't know why you would say it stunk. Because it stinks. But it was was good. It was King self-inserting again. Boring. No, I don't. Should we? Should we we talk about the the King uh, Neil Adams tribute in all the back of all these books? That was nice. Yeah, he was taking quotes that from Adams himself, so it's it's not even better. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, and it was drawn by Adams' son. And there were lots I, of nice I didn't quotes. realize that King wrote that. I wasn't even paying attention. That's hilarious. And there were lots of nice quotes from other creators in there about Neil Adams. So. Yeah, it was really good, heartwarming stuff. The thing that I will say is that by using uh, Neil Adams quotes in this piece, Tom King achieved the same thing that his writing does, which is uh, two characters talking to one another who seemingly are not actually communicating with one another. Yep. Um, it's just that this time there's an excuse for it. That's fair. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's fair in my book. All right, let's finish up by talking about The Flash, number 784, written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by M K Nahuel Pan. So um, we, we sort of referenced this just now, how there are you know, there, there are characters in this book that show up on these alternate Earths and eventually kind of resist or give in. But we, we're, we're still getting the sort of three Earths story here with Jesse Quick and Max Mercury finding um, Mad Max Barry Allen. And then we have Jay and Irie finding Bat Barry Allen. And then we have Wally and Wallace finding, actually finding Barry Allen. Um 
you know, I I love that we're getting all the Flash characters together. I love that we are getting, um, you know, a real story for for a lot of these characters that haven't appeared in a comic in a very long time. However, this issue kind of felt like a nothing issue. I understand that they're trying to drag this out, but this really felt like this. Aside from the Wallace stuff at the end, there's almost nothing in this issue that I think is going to be really important to the story. And while it looks really nice, the art is, I mean, MNK's art is really impressive, especially the sort of three different styles that he manages to pull off in the in the book all really well. This just feels like a bit of a bit of filler to me. Do you folks agree? Uh, so it boggles the mind that this got extended by another issue because <laughs> two of the stories in this are, are basically filler, done. <laughs> are filler. Yeah. Uh, like the the Mad Mad the Madberry and the Batberry stories seem inconsequential, you know, to the the actual narrative and the, the mad barry story seems almost over too that's what's so refreshing about it does it i mean they're still trapped there i'm sure we're still gonna see that story continue yeah but i was i was when i heard that they were going to like search these different earths i was afraid at how much longer it was going to be dragged out than it seems like it's going to be well, I didn't get the, I mean, maybe I, what, what gives you the impression that it's over? Well, uh, the whole not, point, the whole point is to meet Barry Allen and to find out if it's their Barry Allen and yeah, they right. found him and they clearly realize it's not. Yeah. One but of, like, uh, they're still in the store. I feel like we're still going to get like three more issues of them putzing around in mad Barry world. But, but my, my point is not that the story is over in that. We're not going to see it again. Is that the important part is over and the rest is just filler. Yeah, oh, but, I don't see how that's even better. That's like that's worse. Oh, it's, be- it's it's better. It might be worse. I, I it depends how bad the filler is, but oh, I feel like it's absolutely worse because now it's like three more issues where a third of the story is kind of inconsequential. Motherfucking One Piece fan here talking about filler. One Piece um, has no filler. <laughs> oh, man, that's a I, bold no, statement, I'm, my dude. I'm kidding. I love One Piece. Um, the, the manga has no filler. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I I don't know. It must be the California sunshine or the fact that I got my track pants back. But I liked every issue this week. I can't believe it. I I, I maybe maybe I just. Oh man, maybe I just like comics again. Maybe I'm just feeling. Maybe it's the maybe it's the fact that uh, Minnesota accidentally legalized edible THC <laughs> recently. Um, but I was on board for this. It didn't feel like filler at all. I recognize that it is, but it didn't feel like it. Um, I have in my notes that the scene where. Uh, Jesse Quick and Max Mercury realize immediately that it's the wrong Barry and they yell wrong earth at one another mm-hmm. is one of the most refreshing things I've read in a big two comic in years, because in any other story, they would have been like uh, red herringed for three issues about whether this is the real Barry or not. That is true. You know, and, and just just to see them immediately like I've I've made this criticism before uh, I when was the last time I did it? There was a, there was a, there was an issue not that long ago of like wonder woman or something where wonder woman like is fighting an evil clone. And she's like, 
how is this happening? Or how are you doing this? And it's like, lady, you have fought like dozens of evil clones throughout your career. How you don't immediately recognize that this is an evil clone situation or whatever is like staggers the mind. But here in this comic, they act like they've been in a sci-fi comic before they immediately realize they're on the wrong earth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that might not seem like a lot, but Christ, when, when I read these like decompressed comics week after week after week, a little bit like that can go a long way for me, I guess. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I really dug the speed with which they realized that um, 10 out of 10, the Batman night flash costume was cool. Way cooler, way cooler than whatever the last uh, dark Batman flash amalgam we've got was. <laughs> um, maybe that was back in, was that speed metal? Um, I think so. Or whatever. I don't know. I, I really dug this. I think it, you're, you're right that there is filler here, but it feels really well paced and fast paced for me. Um, and I absolutely dig the, the, the art change when it gets to the, like idyllic Barry Allen world. Mm -hmm. Uh, That stuff just looks great. Him seeing Wally as reverse flash is a great wrinkle. Um, We we get Wallace's new 52 costume. Yep. 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 It's man. It's just, it's doing the thing that I love that tie in comics do, which is take this. We've criticized event tie-ins when they're all essentially doing the same thing. But it seems to me like every one of these tie-ins so far has a little wrinkle that makes you think, oh, is this not quite what I think it is? You know, like like with the Young Justice stuff we mentioned. I mean, I could be wrong or I could be misreading things, but like the fact that they are, as young people, are so resistant to these idyllic worlds that are being created is an interesting wrinkle to me that is unique to that book. I know you guys pointed out like some possible similarities between that and the Superman one, but I think, I think like the fact that it's young characters reacting this way is, is a, a very intentional difference between the older characters and how they're reacting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the wrinkle uh, in this of the, the world almost changing in front of Barry to make sure that he is, still in the mindset it it wants him to be in you know like wally can't just show up and say hey i'm wally remember me he 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 has to look like reverse flash because it's like the world itself is resisting the the barry realizing it you know right right i i love i love these little wrinkles we're getting it's keeping me engaged in a way that that so many of these events have failed at um and uh, frankly that the main title so far is not doing that great a job at (laughs) like i'm more interested in these tie-in asides than i am in the main title at least right now um so yeah i don't know i guess i'm the i guess i'm the positive boy this week i mean good for you (laughs) i guess it'll change next week i'm gonna Uh, fucking hate everything i mean i I did enjoy this issue for the most part. Like I said, I, I do think that the like, I wouldn't mind if the um, if Jesse Quick and Max Mercury get back to Earth and they're like, yep, wrong Earth. And then that story drops off and we're left with just 
Bat Barry and the other story. And then when the Bat Barry one wraps up, Jay and Irie go back to Earth. And then we're left with just like, I think that I think there could be a way to slowly give more time to the actual Barry Earth. And that could be interesting. I just don't want to spend a ton of time with Max and Jesse trying to get off this earth now when the whole reason they're there is done. And there's an easy way they're going to touch their uh, their wristband thing on their back, right? Isn't that the whole point? Yeah, I, I just assume so. something's going to happen because, like, Irie right, already yeah. lost hers. So, like, they're right. stuck there for a little while longer. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I'm being too hard on it. I just... Uh, if that is what Adams is doing, then that that's a good idea, and that that will work better. And the art is really good, so um, I'm probably just being overly harsh on this issue. Uh, it was you fun. Can, you can be as harsh as you want to be, Zach. No, it was fine. I did I did like it more than Young Justice, just because it I I generally like some of the Flash stuff better, so. Well, that's fair, I suppose. Well, Vince, what comes out next week for us? Uh, we got Action Comics 10. Whoa, look at this speedy guy over oh here. Off, the man. flash in the the, the you, flash in the sheets and in the streets. Look at this. You asked earlier how you would make me really mad. <laughs> you just did. You just did. You ruined it. Go, go. Go go KYS, Brian. Yeah, I will commit some goo <laughs> and I will write your name with my intestines <laughs> on the floor. It's yourself clean. <laughs> uh, action 1045, Aquaman number six, Batman Fortress number three, Batman One Dark Knight number three, DC Mech number one, Deathstroke Inc. 11, Detective Comics 1062, Harley Quinn 17, Robin 16, Superman Space Age number one, Task Force Z 10, uh, Sandman Universe Nightmare Country four, The Swamp Thing number 15. That's a pretty interesting book, uh, week of books. I already hate it. I'm, I'm flip flopping for next week. Of course, you are. Well, if you have to get in touch with two thirds of us, uh, we are on Twitter. I am Ryan Needs an App. And I am at the Woke of Z. If you need to get in touch with Vince, he is uh he's obviously flip-flopping on all things, so wait for him to be a Vikings fan next week. No, no, ah. we'll see about that. He'll be ah, loving damn, Prince, dude. loving the Vikings. Um <laughs> let's see what else. Uh eating eating just bowl after bowl of French onion soup. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Flip Flop. They, they call him Mr. Flip Flop, folks. <laughs> John Kerry's got nothing on him. <laughs> Cowardly John Kerry. All of this is stuff I would say if you know that like Twitter prompt that's like if you're ever in a kidnapped situation, <laughs> yes, exactly. what would you say? To... <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. I'll see you then. Bye. Genki Deska. Genki Des if you yank my wiener. <laughs> <laughs>